Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. They need emotional support monkeys <laughs> all over the locker room. <laughs> They're shook. Pete Thimmel. Scott Strickland, the Florida AD, is not a knee-jerk guy, but Florida can be a bit of a knee-jerk place. With SI's Pat Forty. Not enough forgiveness in my cold, flinty heart for that. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Hey, welcome to the pod. As many of you know, not very good at hosting this show, and that includes delivering poor audio. So sorry for what's coming. Not our best. All my fault. Not producer Sean Sullivan. So blame me. Hit me up. Yell at me. But please stick with us. We'll be back Tuesday in full audio quality. All right. Welcome to the pod. Pete Thamel uh, put it, I think, pretty well. Saturday was not separation Saturday or shake-up Saturday. It was slog Saturday. Yeah. Except for you, Georgia. Looking good. Looking good, Georgia Bulldogs. I don't know how you're doing it. You got Stetson Bennett as your quarterback, and you're the runaway number one. Sully is the Bulldogs quarterback. I've never seen them in the same place. It's true. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, you know, I don't want to hear about style points or looks, you know, eye test. Everybody's ugly, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone failed the eye test. Everyone who didn't play between the hedges failed the eye test. We should have called that last call Saturday. Not a lot of good options at quarter to two. <laughs> Put together your poll. There's a lot of Tinder frauds out there. They, they look good in the, in the pick, but meet them all. Yeah. That was taken two seasons ago. When you were <laughs> a lot more talented. from only the shoulders up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to distract me holding that cute puppy. <laughs> Alabama, 2014 against the terrible LSU. If LSU had a had a average quarterback, Whew. they probably win the game. Uh, had a quarterback who at least just got the ball out of his hands. You know, <laughs> Michigan State goes and gets trounced by Purdue, double digit loss, and it, I mean it was a decisive victory by Purdue. Purdue was the better team all day. Oregon needs a you know messes around with a not very good Washington team that seems ineptly coached. Uh, we'll get to that. Some good trash talk. There was good trash. There's a lot. You know, it's usually very nice up in the mid- upper Northwest, right? <laughs> the tree hugging and hiking and granola. No, not, not, not right with now. the ducks and the huskies at the moment. No, Get them no. some CBD uh, niblets or something. Like, they need to calm down. <laughs> Ohio State, you know, I wouldn't call it an Beating Nebraska on the road, I think, is actually all right. I'll give them a little bit more to this, but it certainly was not. Here we are. We're the Buckeyes. If, if Scott Frost doesn't have the worst special teams in the country and makes a couple bad decisions, uh, that game could have gone the other way. Buckeyes definitely self-induced some drama there at the end, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone walks out of that, even Brutus Buckeye himself going, oh, yeah, you know, but I'll give Nebraska, you know, I don't know. Tulsa, I mean, the Cincinnati, credit to them, seven, uh, two, two consecutive back-to-back goal line stands to win. I mean, that's pretty epic if this thing, they end up undefeated, but... 28-20 Tulsa. You go, oh, my God. Well, Tulsa played Ohio State into the fourth quarter. I know that ended up like 21 points, but anybody oh, who yeah. watched that game wasn't sitting there saying, oh, that wasn't one of these. They were down 35, and Tulsa scored a couple TDs on the on the 
the walk-ons. It was 27-20, I believe, at one point in that game. In the, the, the fourth. Like in the fourth. In the, yeah. yeah, like seven minutes, seven, eight minutes left. I watched. It was, you know, and then, and then one thing about the way people are playing football now and going for it all the time, it changes the dynamic of, like, the final score. It's a, it's a danger for anyone gambling. Yeah, but it's everyone just is trying for the win. Like even even that LSU, I thought Coach O should have kicked the field goal at one point to make it a three point game. Fourth yeah. and I think were fourth and eight. Like what is this offense makes you think the more likely play was your defense would do something great, which they ended up doing to give you another chance to mm-hmm. sail it over a dude's head on fourth and long. But there's a lot more of that, like going for it, where if you just chip away and getting points, and I think that's a danger. But I also think it it, it alters. Uh, you know, in the past, maybe Tulsa playing Ohio State would have been content kicking. Some, they're going for it, and then they're going for it in their own thirty, and that sets up a late TD. It's very dangerous on all that. So, those are your main contenders. Nobody looked good other than Georgia, uh, Michigan State. That is a bad loss, but they're not out of it. They they control their destiny. They can still beat Michigan State in a couple weeks. I mean, uh, Ohio State. Excuse me and win the Big Ten, and I think that would get them in. Ohio State certainly controls its own destiny. So that's going to shake out. Someone's going from there, probably. But a lot of blah out there. And and, and I can comment on that, and then I'll, I'll get to whether we should expand the pool of blah that we should be considering for this spot. Go ahead, <laughs> Yes, we should expand the pool of blah, but it is blah. <laughs> I mean, there there is no doubt about it. As I said, other than... Georgia, every single team has had multiple games, I think, where you look at them and go, are they really that good? You know, it's not just one game or, you know, a moment here, a moment there. It's like multiple times. I I guess out of everything that transpired Saturday, the thing that shocked me the most was Alabama nearly gacking away that game as a 28 and a half point favorite, I believe, against an LSU team that I look, give LSU credit. They have not quit. There was some suspicion they had already quit on the season. They didn't quit. In this game, they did not quit. They showed up. Uh, They made some really good plays defensively. Their offense is brutal. But they had as much, they probably, they had more fight than Alabama did. And that's what surprised me. I expected Alabama to come in and pound them. And Alabama did not, couldn't run the ball very well. Bryce Young made some great plays, but he made some bad plays. Uh, Defensively, they were, you know, I mean, again, they, they, you, you rush the heck out of a quarterback who holds the ball forever and you're going to be in pretty good shape, which they did. But they still did give up some plays on that side, too. You rarely, to me, see a Nick Saban team where you, like, say, where's the fire? But that's what I was kind of wondering watching Alabama Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, we could we can. Uh, what did you term it? The pool of blah. It sounds like a, it's like a bad cover band. Believe that's how my parents referred to all of us. And it was, I don't know. <laughs> What the Yahoo editors think of think of the writer pool. <laughs> yes. the staff, yeah. Pool emerged slightly uh, today from the idiots. pool of law. Can anyone spell a word correctly? Well, I mean, Alabama had, I believe, six rushing yards. Yeah, I, just I mean, that's just like pretty astounding. I mean, you could just you could just roll right through all the flaws. They are there, they are glaring, they are yeah, they were they were on full throttle display. I mean, you you couldn't watch Oregon, Washington and think, oh, they're going to roll to the Pac-12 title. Heck, I watched a bunch of Stanford, Utah on Friday night. I believe the final was 52 to 7. It ended pretty late East Coast time. There was not any reason to stay up for the fourth quarter. Um, I actually listened to a a chunk of it on the uh, way back from BC, Virginia Tech in my car. It was the game on satellite radio. You want to hear... The Stanford radio play-by-play announcers trying to fill time in the middle of 52-7 in the fourth quarter. You want some, like, awards for creativity? Like, my gosh. That's, like, veering towards a very bad loss. And again, as we start to, like, use all this calculus, is that a worse loss than going undefeated? Like, that becomes a that becomes a pretty real question. So the, it's a very dynamic situation. I'll be very curious where Michigan State ends up in this, right? Like, you have to put them ahead of Michigan because they won. But now does Oklahoma, I, I wrote in takeaways, the only winner this weekend was Oklahoma. They just sat back and watched everyone else suck. As they as they did, they looked better just inherently. But you can't put Oklahoma, you're going to have Oklahoma jump Michigan. Michigan looked fine when they won. Michigan seventh, they looked fine when it, beating Indiana. There was That was like the most drama-free, event-free game of the day. So Michigan State, 
can't, but is, is that Michigan State loss dropped then behind undefeated Oklahoma? This is where, as Dan has said many, many times, ranking teams at this juncture just becomes dicey. But like, you want to talk about like gummed up? Like that is some gummed up stuff right there when you start like messing with that calculus of where do we put Michigan State compared to Oklahoma? Is that, is a loss to Purdue better than being undefeated? Probably not, right? Like you were, you know, Purdue's okay. They have, they have three losses, I believe. So anyway, this this whole thing is just going to be a thicket. It's going to be a mess. This is this will be the year of the taffy pull. We know we have the people to pull all the wrong levers, eating the jalapeno, green corn, and grapevine. Yeah, I mean, look, this is it's impossible to do. There there is no ranking. Okay, I mean, there's no definitive. You can have the sports writers do it and whatever, and the coaches, but after number one, you can make a case for all of them. It's all blah. So you say Michigan State's got one loss. They lost to Purdue. Uh, bad. Well, maybe maybe Notre Dame should be ahead of Michigan State. They beat Purdue by 14. It was a close game, but they beat them. Where in the blot does it come? And this is why, you know, I, this is, this is, I'm a broken record, but you shouldn't be doing the rankings. Like the people who designed this playoff included political consultants from Washington who thrive on everyone screaming and hating each other. And so they created a system with a weekly ranking so that everyone will hate the system. And they thought that's the way to get attention. And so what you're going to have this weekend is whatever comes out Tuesday night, everyone's going to be angry. And and and, I, and again, I, 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 I speak to the people who have a shot at changing the system. Don't make a system designed for everyone to hate you and box your committee into looking like hypocrites and, and corrupt and all of that stuff. It's not working. The people who designed this committee also said that fans would automatically, instantaneously, philosophically stop watching the moment NIL came into play. (laughs) They said that they would philosophically stop watching if stipends came into play. They said the transfer portal would make it more top-heavy. It has made it less top-heavy. They said everything wrong. These are, this is not George freaking Washington and Thomas Jefferson. These guys are all wrong about everything. The founding fathers, don't listen to the founding fathers. What you're going to get this weekend is everyone mad at the committee because the people who created this playoff had no freaking idea what they were doing. Yeah, because you handed the committee a, a ridiculous task. Really. An impossible task. There is nothing you could come up with. I'm not saying I could do it better. No, you don't have a committee who ranks them right. You know what? It doesn't matter where Michigan State and Ohio State are ranked because they're going to play and it'll all get sorted out. You don't need this headache. Now you're going to get it. Tough break, but that's what you're going to get. But, I, you know, I look at it as like, okay, they've come up with this set idea. All right. The analytics say it's better to defeat who'd you beat, right? That's the criteria. Did you have quality, great quality wins? And there's a philosophical argument to say, yeah, did you beat the other top teams? Well, what if, the philosophical argument is what if you played a whole bunch of decent teams who are capable of beating you, but you navigated that to the most part? Well, then Notre Dame's schedule starts looking good. Would not agree with that, but you could make the argument. Look at Notre Dame. Well, they're surviving a whole bunch of teams that are knocking off other people. North Carolina just took out Wake and, and Wisconsin's beating people and, and, and Virginia Tech's beating people. And Purdue's beating people, and USC's beating people, and you know, like, are they that? Be- I don't know. How do you, how do you figure this thing out? And I, I look at the, look at it and go, this is why you need a twelve-team playoff because who the hell knows? At this point, we really don't know. No, we we absolutely don't know. It is total guesswork right now, and and that's tr- like even the process of getting this thing down. Like, what if Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State? all go one and one against each other. Is the Big Ten out? Because they've got, a, we're going to end up with an 11 and two champion. The the amount of ways you can tie yourself in knots at this point, trying to figure this thing out is extreme. In a sensible system with sensible conferences that were aligned sensibly, you could have conference champions from the power five plus at larges to fill out a 12-team playoff, and you could be reasonably sure you were not leaving out the best team or even one of the top two or three best teams. If this year, you're going to have a four-team playoff, I think, and we're going to look back and say, well, you know, somebody who didn't get in is going to go win 
a good bowl game and look great and end up, you know, sitting there at like 13 and two or 12 and two. And we say, God, maybe they were the best team, you know, but that's the, the way the system is set up. It's just, it is rife with absolute guesswork right now. And you got 13 people to go sit in a room in Grapevine, Texas and do their guessing. And then we all second guess their guessing. And to Dan's earlier point of the guesswork of all this and why the committee pigeonholes itself early and then basically indicts itself later when it changes his mind, which is like an annual tradition like no other, comes from the fact that your playoff is not really a playoff, it's a TV contract. And within that TV contract is essentially six weeks of built-in programming slash arguments. The only thing that's good for the sport is that this does drive conversation. Now, the tenor of the conversation is all these people are idiots, but it does drive conversation, (laughs) and it does drive interest. But here's... Of the many, many reasons. Eh, I don't know if it drives interest. I, I think that's that gets repeated, but they already is sure. interest. I, I think it channels interest to the end product, right? Like, what are we going to talk about? The ACC Coastal Race right now, if there if there's no playoff rankings? Like, I just think it. What, what do they talk about in the NFL? They talk about, was well, this team looking good for the playoff? Can it win? I'd survive this long. I mean, we have a, an empirical, a, a, a fairly close apple to apple comp. The thing. What do they talk about in high school football and all these tournaments? I'm not defending it, but I could say like, okay, like that. I I think that's been repeated a lot. Okay. I, I just disagree right, no, with that. Fair. I don't think it, I don't that's think it's fair. good when this many people are like, this is corrupt. My team doesn't have a chance. These people are idiots. This is unfair. Okay, that's interest. It's like there's interest in politics. Okay, this was designed by a political guy. This is interest in politics. And it's all toxic. And the rest of the country looks and goes, the hell are they doing in Washington screaming at each other all the time? But I think if this thing grows, when this thing grows, all of a sudden now the conference races actually come into focus, right? I really think it's going to end up at 12. But like, who's going to win the ACC and will they be higher ranked than UTSA is a much better conversation for the sport than like parsing one loss, Michigan State versus one loss, you know, versus undefeated Oklahoma or whatever we're doing right now. And it's much better for the conferences. I mean, the ACC is shivering under a blanket in a nuclear winter, waiting to see who plays in the Chick-fil-A Classic on August 28th next year. I mean, that is the ACC right now. There is no doubt. You think anyone's going to care when, you know, there's going to be about 11 friends and family. I don't even know where the ACC title game is this year. Is it in Charlotte? Maybe? I think it's in Charlotte. Charlotte. Anyway, yeah, yeah, there's going to be like... High school field in like uh, Danville, Virginia, I believe. It's just, it's... Uh, they play in Greensboro. They do everything in Greensboro. The stadium next to the Waffle House. They're trying to I move. Know. I know. Like trying everything in the yeah. ACC, that's oh, about 25 years behind. Uh, the, <laughs> right, but like that ACC title game, there's going to be about, other than friends and family, there's going to be about 300 fans there. And if when NC State hoists that trophy, all the photographers are going to be like, Get a really, really tight shot of it because we don't want to see the empty swaths of stadium in the background. Whereas in the in the playoff that should be happening, the ACC champion would be not automatically included, but they would probably be included. Or at least like they would probably, hopefully at this point, be one of the six highest ranked, you know, conference champions. Um, yeah, I, it's terrible for the sport that entire leagues are just like, like Oregon loses one more time. You've got both coasts gone, right? Gone, gone. Gone. And that's just, that's just where we are. And that is, you know, the fact that people aren't scurrying to sign up for it. Uh, I was watching Wake Forest, North Carolina, like we all probably were third quarter. Sean McDonough made it a point to say, you know, Jim Phillips stopped by the booth to say he's not against a 12 team playoff. But everybody in the room says Jim Phillips is sort of waving his arms around saying, like, it, he, he's not encouraging it. Let's put it that way. Like, so it's been it's been an interesting set of set of messages because if I mean, boy, that would be bad for the ACC if that doesn't happen. It would just be really, really bad for the ACC. My, my yeah. notes. Yeah. If you would have that pit. Wake Forest. Remember, Wake Forest is still five and zero in conference because that game yesterday against Carolina was a quote unquote non conference game. They even when they don't schedule up on conferences, they they play each other. Like Texas and Texas A&M should pay attention. They should get this memo. This white paper should get over there. Like, hey, we're two schools in the state. We should play every year, even when our conference. But that Wake Pitt game and the race. 
between an eight and one team and a seven and two team that are both having really fun seasons would be exciting. And instead, it's like, yeah, who are you guys? Yes, there there are definitely ways to enhance. You know, the people talk about the the the, the that a bigger playoff would ruin the regular season. No, no, you could enhance it. Like now, in a fourteen playoff, as we just said, the ACC season is basically dead from that standpoint. But if you've got a race to get to a championship or to even just to, to crown a regular season champion, not even mess with a stupid conference championship game, uh, you would have more interest right now. But that's, you know, they've, they've thrown that baby out with the bathwater. All right, let me add this to the, the pool of blah. Okay, right now, everyone's focused on these top six. How about some other schools? Now, again, a lot of this will sort itself out. But should these guys be more, at least in our reference point, as possible playoff teams? Okay, Oklahoma State, one loss. That loss is three points at in Iowa State. With a disputed have, spot that stopped, the, disputed stopped spot. their last drive. I don't want to hear about bad losses or, or ugly performances anymore. They all got bad losses, pretty much, or they got ugly performances. I'm, I'm sorry, Alabama barely beat Florida. Florida stinks. Alabama barely, you know, lost to A&M. They, 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 it's, it's too much. Again, this is the, they're the Tinder profile team. You can hope that they turn out to look what they looked like two years ago, but that picture ain't current. <laughs> Oklahoma State, they got a win over Boise that's rolling. They beat Baylor and Kansas State by double digits. Obviously, they're going to get Bedlam and OU at the end, and they'll get a so they're going to have a chance. I, I, you know, but Oklahoma State should they be in that consideration at this point? They're playing good football. Yes, yes, absolutely. No, I was looking at that last night and again this morning. That that certainly, I, I you know, you can't say for sure that their destiny is in their own hands, uh, but if they get to 12-1 and one and have beaten Oklahoma at least once, maybe twice, uh, you're looking at a pretty good resume there. Why, uh, why aren't they in it already? It's because it's Oklahoma State, right? And people just sort of wrote them off after the Iowa State loss, but – right. Yeah, they're not that bad. Iowa State, this house, Texas. Right, right. And what were they? Was Oklahoma State eleventh in the first playoff? I believe so. Yeah, Yeah, I believe so. It also hurts. It's a very indistinguished team. Like they don't have like one of these Brandon Whedon's throwing for eight thousand yards. Their defense first. Jim Knowles done a great job. Right. Yeah, they they are antithetical to what we think of as a Big Twelve team that could threaten the playoff. Right. They are just. They're they're complete. It's like they flipped the script almost. And and give Mike Gundy credit. Like they are they are an excellent team, but it's hard to wrap your mind around the program that's flipped identities that distinctly. And I, I think that does perception wise hurt them. But I do think I wrote it. Like don't be surprised if somebody comes from double digits like Oklahoma State and rolls through because people are going to lose. Like that's just going to happen. And yeah, they almost have the style of team that is best built for the slog pool of blah, by the way, I think like they would open have opened up for like talking heads in like the late eighties. <laughs> <laughs> they got a four point loss in Michigan state. Obviously they're going to have their chance to, they, they may control their own destiny. Depends what Michigan state does with Ohio state. Other than, you know, I mean, they had to, they had a wild game against Nebraska at Nebraska. they, didn't play great against Rutgers at home, but other than that, they've controlled everything. Could, could Michigan go? Yeah, you know, obviously Michigan play its way in. I don't know. I mean, it's Mich- Michigan seventh, but I don't think people are looking at them. Like, do they do they have a case to be in the top four? So, well, I yeah, I don't think they do at this point. Uh, I just don't see a big big victory that they've had. My question. As you're dropping Michigan State, does Michigan State have to stay ahead of Michigan because they beat them head to head on the field? You know, I think that they've got the same record. They probably do. Although I, I would say yes, you keep Michigan State ahead of them based on head to head. Although the the like the number of of yeah but factors involved in Michigan Michigan State is far different than o- Oregon Ohio State. You know, like the, the, that one was a much closer, more controversial game than the other one. But I think if if, if if head-to-head matters, then Michigan State still has to be ahead of Michigan. So, the, you know, are they in there seven, eight, six, seven? Where exactly do those two land? Do you put Michigan ahead of them because they have a better loss? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to you, right? I know. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 Ohio State. We have a better loss than Oregon. Oregon lost to Stanford. You yeah, know? but 
Michigan, Michigan has essentially done exactly what Ohio State has done. Ohio State's got the Penn State victory, but it's just it's a modeled mess. Fortunately, yeah. they play each other, so. Yeah, yeah. Any notion that like Ohio State's going to go into Michigan and roll at this point, like that game uh, to me is shaping up to be a bit of a slobber knocker. Now, I, I still don't have a great feel for Michigan. Yeah, we might have to get Dan to his second game this season. Yeah, two games, two games. Uh, I feel the same way. I don't know how good Michigan is. They're going to Penn State this yeah. weekend. And Where they historically be a, Certainly struck. a test. Yes, night game, all of it. Uh, Notre Dame, I, I mentioned them earlier. They keep grinding out victories. I also think they have an 11-point loss at home to UC. But that's pretty good loss. Great loss, yeah. whatever that's worth. They're getting better. And that's going to be my next team, too. And I'll, I'll just put them in. Texas A&M, right? Texas A&M, now they, they still have a path here because if, if Alabama loses, if they beat Ole Miss this weekend and Alabama loses to, say, Auburn or somewhere, A&M can get in that playoff and get in the, can still win the West. Like can they can they right with two and then yeah, they'd have yeah no they'd win the tiebreaker head to head with yeah, Alabama correct. and they'd win it with Ole Miss they have a shot here uh, they uh, you know but they need Alabama to lose which has been up there they they had a terrible two weeks against Mississippi State and Arkansas who are decent teams though and and certainly capable of beating you can a team improve this defense they swallowed Auburn. Auburn, get back to your 18th ranking. This is what happens when <laughs> Auburn isn't ranked 18th. They get a little chesty and go to 13, back to 18. They should only be ranked 18th ever unless Cam Newton has a son and he shows up. Until Cam Newton's son plays for Auburn, you are 18th only. <laughs> Way to put him in their place, Dan. <laughs> what part uh, can you get better? Like that's one of the arguments with Ohio State. We're getting Absolutely. better. Right. Texas A&M is getting a lot better. Yeah, they are getting a lot better. But two losses, and yes, they lost to decent teams, but they're just decent teams. You got to do better than that. I'm sorry. Look, yes, they they are better. They have a very very good win over Alabama. But if your two losses are to Arkansas and Mississippi State, who are kind of battling it out for like sixth and seventh in the West, I, I, I can't give you that much latitude. Not enough forgiveness in my cold flinty heart for that their offense has really come a long way obviously uh Haynes King got hurt early and they've kind of just like figured it out I mean they're def- they have the number two defense in the country scoring defense behind Georgia they're giving up 14-7 now Georgia's giving up like four inches a game I think and uh yeah less than 6.6 points in scoring defense which I actually think calculates if other touchdowns too so I don't know how many like if they've given up any offensive touchdowns or anything like that but like Georgia's like that's, I mean, we're we're seeing like a death march to history with that Georgia defense. Like in normal years, A and M would have the country's best defense. Like it's uh, it's a pretty remarkable unit that Mike Elko was uh, has has put together there, and that was at a that was an impressive thing they did, just completely eviscerating uh, Auburn with the defensive touchdown to boot too. Which I know certain interested parties on this podcast are watching very closely, and uh, perhaps letting an unbiased fist pump under the uh, coffee table out when uh, when that did when that did occur. Yeah, but like you can't; those are mediocre losses. Mediocre losses. Like where was Mississippi State in the? Was Mississippi State? I know Minnesota was inexplicably ranked in the first top twenty-five. Mississippi State was too, right? Yeah. Like those were the two that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, that they were. Bizarre. You know, I, we did that show at the last minute. We did it right after, and I think we missed the Minnesota being twentieth in the yeah. poll, despite losing to Bowling Green. Uh, that that to me was. The, the classic case, and I wonder now, because they're going to be out, like, I, I felt like that was engineered in to help Ohio State. It was like, why, how is this team, and screw Cincinnati, yeah. And UTSA. UTSA should have been 20th. Like, if UTSA was 20th, right. we yeah, would have been like, yeah, that's about right. They won at Illinois, yeah. they won at Memphis, like, they've dominated their league. What more do you want? Yeah, I, yeah. And so it's like, and, and I think, you know, Mike Oresco, the American Athletic Conference, which says, like, it's self-fulfilling you guys tell us we don't have enough top 25 wins well who determines it's top 25 you right <laughs> so you know we're just going to go in circles but yeah how the heck minnesota got ranked 20th they come out and lose at home 14 to 6 to illinois yeah. they've lost a bowling green illinois and ohio state they and then again i go back to this when you oh that was it again with this committee this is why gary barda who you know is well-meaning he's trying but this is their rationale. 
for why Minnesota is 20th. They do, they, they beat some teams. They, this weekend they did probably what they expected. Many people watching expected to do all of that after losing some running backs and some of the injuries, the committee just remains impressed. And again, I go to this, you cannot get credit for injuries. (laughs) If you're going to give credit for something, then every team has to have the opportunity to earn that credit. Okay. Now, obviously it's not a level playing field. UTSA cannot all of a sudden play top five teams like Michigan will be able to. Okay. But you don't get credit for, for winning with your third string bats when no one would play with their third string bats, unless your first two strings got hurt. It's, it, it cannot be a criteria. Yet it remains a criteria. Since the first polls came out in 2014. How do they not get this? got credit for injured quarterbacks. Sorry, UTSA. You should injure your first two guys and win with your third stringer. You can't. It's it's like intellectually. Like, who came up with this? But but Tulane started their backup, and they held that against Cincinnati because Tulane allegedly ran right, the ball. Right, right, that oh, game yeah. wasn't even that close. Like I watched a good amount of that game. No, <laughs> like it's just, no. yeah, it, it's. This is where you're you're just talking too much and making stuff up. Right. I'm sorry, my guys didn't get hurt. Apologies. <laughs> Should have blown a couple knees. Okay, and then yeah, they, they look stupid because that was your criteria, and uh, and they go out and score six against Illinois, the vaunted Illini defense. So, you know, it goes in circles, and this is why we need a bigger playoff because it's a lot less important, and you stop caring whether you're ranking someone 20th. All right, uh, this guy keeps coming up in the pod, and we don't want to talk about mediocre teams, but it keeps getting worse and snowballing. Uh, Dan Mullen. Woo! They've now lost four of their last five. Uh, They've lost eight of ten against Power Five opponents. We were told that that was a that was okay because a lot of those losses were to Georgia and and Alabama, but they they aren't anymore. They lost to LSU. Uh, they got housed at South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina Matt, playing its third string quarterback, who was an FCS transfer from St. Well, Francis maybe they of should be ranked in the. They should be in the playoff for showing how good their third string <laughs> walk on is. Extra credit, forty to seventeen. This now looks like a team that is spiraling. Uh, it's no longer close losses. He doesn't want to talk about recruiting. That's fine. He also doesn't have any good have any good recruits lined up, uh, which isn't good. Uh, it's not like he doesn't want to talk about recruiting and he's got the sixth best recruiting class in the country. He doesn't. But what's up with Mullen? Is this now into like flashing red lights thing where there may be a change in Gainesville? Oh, I think we're definitely getting the flashing red lights time. Now, what you have to decide out of the South Carolina debacle is how much of a pass do you get for the great Florida flu flop? They had supposedly 20 to 30 players who were affected by the flu this week. In the week leading up to the game and right up to game time, players getting IVs beforehand. Some of the team traveled separately so they didn't infect other people on the team. I mean, that, that could be a, a very legitimate excuse that affected a lot of people. Still, college football, especially at the highest end, tends to be a bit of a no-excuse business. And if you get destroyed by South Carolina, there's not a lot of excusing that. There just isn't. And it, they, it is now a tailspin there. They've lost three in a row. They've lost four out of five. Dan Mullen has handled some things poorly from a, a you know rhetorical standpoint, some of his answers to questions, what have you. I don't think they're going to do anything rash in Gainesville, but I think after the season, there's going to be some real discussions. We'll see how they finish. First of all, I would I would strongly suggest to Coach Mullen that he not lose to terrible Florida State at the end of this year. You lose that game, all bets are off. I think Todd Grantham is dead man walking as defensive coordinator. Probably going to be other changes on the staff there. I still expect Dan Mullen to be the coach in 2022, but... Again, do not lose to the Seminoles on the way out. I also have Samford and at Missouri. They should win out. But I thought they were going to win out after they lost to Georgia, well, too. It'll be interesting how they respond for Mullen, right? Like, the players aren't dumb. They know exactly what's at what's at stake. You know, I think I wrote this in Takeaways uh, Sunday night on Yahoo. This is the worst loss of Dan Mullen's head coaching tenure. Flu, no flu, whatever it is, it, you know, Pat said, it's a results-based business, and you can't lose that badly. So... A week ago, I didn't really think there was 
much a chance. I thought it was a minuscule chance Dan Mullen could lose his job at the end of this season. I think this loss is uh, is a pivot point. It, it changes that to where it's at least a conversation. It, it, it went from how do we fix the staff to how do we fix the operation? And they'd owe Dan Mullen $12 million to fire him. That's not an insignificant amount of money, even for a place like even for a place like Florida. The danger, of course, is can you definitively get a coach who is better than Mullen? Can you go get James Franklin, who could solve some of your recruiting ills, puts on a much more polished, less caustic public face than than, than Mullen has? I don't think Florida is the kind of place where you take the hot Sunbelt guy and hope, right? And I think one thing from talking to some ADs in this cycle about what they're thinking and how they're going, like they're they're going to be, you know, I think Dave Clawson gets a lot more intrigue and a lot more attention than than we think from some of these. Not, I'm not saying he's going to go to Florida, but like these ads want someone who's done it. These are not places where you can learn on the job and hire the wrong defensive line coach, and then that unit goes sideways, and the recruiting's gone. All of a sudden, you can't stop it. Like th- there are pro- there are there are leaps up for some of these guys and they'd be difficult. So Mullen's the second longest tenure coach in the SEC. I think he's won 71% of his games at Florida. So you have to go out and say, we're going to fire Dan Mullen, pay him 12 million, and then hire someone who's going to win more than 70% of his games. Like that is not a, that is not a surefire proposition. Um, So I think that's part of the calculus that, that goes into all this. Now that said, They've lost eight of 10 to power five programs. They've lost three in a row, four or five, as Pat said. Like, it is a spiral. It is a problem. I'd be surprised if there's not, if something doesn't come out this week about Todd Grantham, be it they part ways with them now or announce they're going to do it at the end of the season. Um, old friend Paul Pascaloni is actually a uh, analyst on the Florida staff, uh, the former Syracuse UConn, longtime NFL coach. Uh, I think Paul is 107 years old, and uh, he's been around for a while. Uh, that's obviously a joke, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up, if something happens with Grantham, if he ends up getting inserted in a, not necessarily in a play calling role, but in some kind of role, if there's a, if they, he's the most logical person on the staff to end up with added responsibility if something happened to Todd. And the, the thing about Grantham is Mullen had a chance last year. I mean, this isn't the first time that he's had he's been at a crossroads with Grantham he stuck with what he knew and doubled down on Grantham it's obviously uh it's obviously backfired Florida has all of a sudden become you know the prime destination for for drama right now not only in the SEC but in the country I mean imagine before the season if we were sitting around saying the Florida job could open coming off orange peach cotton in some order goals consecutively for him and Say what about Mullen. He's been exponentially better than his two predecessors. Much better than Jim McElwain. Much better than Will Muschamp. Uh, you know, but there's just been uh, there's just been a series of uh, a series of bumps here that have accumulated, and you know, it will be interesting to see if he can do. Everyone points to like Brian Kelly. I think it was 2016, like that type of. That's the level of overhaul, rehab, repatching you have to put together. And Scott Strickland, the Florida AD, is not a knee jerk guy. But Florida can be a bit of a knee-jerk place. So it will be interesting to yeah. see. There's some bull gators around him who are jerking their <laughs> knees pretty hard right now. I would not give up on Dan Mullen. I know the angst right now in the Florida fan base, having some friends who are Florida fans, it's significant. It's it's like, this is a total disaster. This guy's this guy sucks. It's not going to happen. It's like, all right, how about someone whose job prospects I think are bleaker? Uh, Jimmy Lake out at Washington. Okay. Trash talks uh, Oregon's academic prowess, plays a game where they lose aggressive physically, would probably be the kindest way I could put it with a player, which just isn't 1986 anymore. Uh, and uh, and then inexplicably punts with like two minutes left down. I, I don't know what was going on with that. This has not gone well. Uh, you'd like to see him get a third year. This isn't trending well. And this week was not a good week for Jimmy Lake. They had just squeezed out victories at Arizona, who's terrible, and at Stanford, who's terrible. But at least they are winning. Uh, and a, otherwise, in a vacuum, a 26-16 loss to Oregon is not a bad thing for Washington right now. And and there's a, there's a little bit of, you know, got Arizona State, you got Colorado, you got Washington. There's still some move to, to make some moves here the rest of the way. He also, yes, handed the opportunity to Mario Cristobal to say this after the game, which apparently, like, his players, I don't know whether they were videotaping the postgame game 
talk or whatever, but this went out on social media. This is according to i5quarter.com, Tyson Alger, who covers the the Ducks. Those guys right there, they represent everything that's wrong with football. So when you kick their ass, you let them know it. Woo! Can you beep those out? Yeah, the Pacific Northwest. Can you beep those out with uh, UTSA meep meeps? That would be more fun than just regular beeps. (laughs) Mimi, Mimi. He really took that academic prowess thing. Like Mario Cristobal didn't go to Oregon. No. Mario grew up in Miami. He probably couldn't have found Oregon on a map. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, a little bit of spice up there. And yes, if you're Jimmy Lake, you just stepped yourself in it. And Pete pointed this out off the air before we went on there. But they're like, Dan Mullen, if he gets fired... He's getting a lot of money to get fired. Jimmy Lake may have gotten him, may have given his athletic director reason to fire him for cause with the interaction with the player. You know, and I, boy, honestly, this, maybe this sounds a little bit tone deaf, but I don't think so. I, I think the worst thing Jimmy Lake did Saturday was that punt. I just thought that was completely like, what are you possibly thinking? It's fourth and 10. You're, yes, you're back in your own territory, but you have no, you're out of chances. Less than two minutes left. You have two timeouts. You have to go for it to punt the ball away there. And then they sail the punt snap over the guy's head and they, and for a safety and they lose by 10. Like that was just like, where was your mind then? And then yes, the interaction with the player popping the player in the helmet, bad, bad look on TV, bad look in 2021. Uh, wouldn't not many people would have batted an eye about that 30, 40 years ago, but again, it's 2021. So now it's an issue that you got to deal with. He was Chris Peterson's handpicked successor. Keep it in the, in the, family pipeline there they were i think three and one last year it was just kind of hard to tell you know what what anything meant last year in the pac-12 so this year was his first real year on the job a lot of people expected them to have a good season they're four and five and jimmy lake's finding other landmines to step on as well not a good situation yeah and if you're jimmy lake like or if you're i guess you're the if you're the washington administration like they're gonna have to fire oc john donovan which is you know the most inevitable thing after hiring John Don. Man, does Pete Pete really hate He's just Don. such a bad hire, <laughs> man. It was just Ooh, such right. a bad hire. I, I'm not uh, disagreeing. Like, and yeah. So if, if you're, you're going to have to, they're gonna have to pay John Donovan a bunch of money to go away, too, because he had a three-year deal. If you're, Do you want to reinvest in another iteration of a Jimmy Lake staff and start over? That's what they have to ask themselves the next three, four weeks out in Seattle. Like, is is there enough promising? Look, Jimmy Lake is a dynamic charismatic guy like there's a reason why he impressed Chris Peterson enough not only did he you know make him a successor but he promoted him to be the defensive play caller because he didn't want to lose him like Jimmy Lake was an asset to that staff and he quickly emerged as as someone who was really of high value there and I just think a lot of that equity he has he's lost through poor decision making not thinking before he's spoken I mean the Oregon president trolled him like, think about that for a second. When's the last time a college president trolled a football coach? And he's everything Chris Peterson wasn't. Like, Chris Peterson was the epitome of class. He he was a super good game manager, in-game, smart coach. Like, everything about Chris Peterson just kind of was like, there was like a dignity to him in this space. And J- Jimmy Lake's just kind of flailing around. And Jen Cohen and the administration at at Washington have to ask, do we want to flail? Do we want to risk another year of flailing or do we want to go and try to find an established, accomplished coach and start over? Because I do think Washington is a really good college football job. Uh, It's a great scene. It's a great city. There is some talent there. I mean, that's the concern I have with with Jimmy Lake is the recruiting. This guy, everyone, he's a great recruiter, right? But they're not getting the top players from Seattle and, and you have to in Seattle, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of talent in the state of Washington, but class of 2021, they lose the, the top two recruits, uh, JT Tuamaloa, uh, defensive end going to, uh, Ohio state, Emeka Agabuka, uh, going to Ohio state, top two players in the, in the state, both in, uh, Seattle area, uh, five-star players, top class kids in the class of, uh, 2022 are no, no one's signed up for Washington yet. Again, the, 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 top two or three plays you got to get those guys and jimmy lake should be that guy so that's that's kind of a, a red flag is like what's what's not happening there why are these five stars not now they still got good players and they're signing the preponderance of great players in the state of washington but you don't want to see ohio state plucking you from 2500 miles away uh, that's not losing to the ducks that's not losing to to even washington state or something like that i want to talk about 
a program that has redeemed itself in my eyes. Yes. I had some beef with Iowa State. The song <laughs> turned out to be a fraud. Though They didn't win the water. Kia Cup kicked their ass in the water contest. There's a lot of things. They haven't been as good as they should be. But not only did they did they, they crush Texas this weekend, but the fans turned out with the monkey stripper <laughs> and the pole assassin mocking. We had a woman with a monkey puppet made the, the, the FS1 broadcast. Uh, a, a, a young guy... Uh, looked like a student. Uh, I think it, somebody else put this, uh, did this graphic. So he stole the graphic, but whatever. It's a, a an image of the horns down with a with the pole assassin hanging from one end and a monkey on the other end of the horns. Uh, other signs were apparently they were told to take them away. Fantastic! That young guy, if you can prove that he is you, let me know and I will send. I will Venmo you the money to get the pizza. Find me on Twitter. It's right there. But you got to prove it's you. I'm not falling for you other things because there's a lot of fraud in the Ames. got to be real careful. Real careful. You can't defraud an investigative reporter who's already upended the corrupt core of Ames. I will pay for a pizza, no drink. Drink the water. Or, call, or drive a Kia Cup. Drive a Kia Cup. Absolutely warmed my heart to see the sign. And yes, there was some guy on Twitter like, hey, he stole that from me. I'm like, eh, well, it's, that's the internet. Welcome you know, the, the best world. part of this conversation but, uh, is that Texas, the University of Texas, Lost, what was it, 30 to 7? Yeah. To lose their fourth consecutive game for the first time since 2010. And we are, you know, 53 minutes into this podcast and had not mentioned that because it has become such an obvious footnote that Texas is going to go in this downward spiral that we just, we have not even like thought of that as a topic. Yeah. Wait until I, mean, like, I get to the SEC. Yeah. Oh, that's going to go well. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, we can't match up up You don't front think that thought Iowa was going State. through people's yeah. mind? Careful yeah. what you wish for. Yep. Careful what you wish for. Be careful what your big ego checks get cashed. They uh, they were only outscored a mere 27 to nothing after halftime by Iowa State, which followed being outscored 21 to 10 in the second half by Baylor, which followed being outscored in the second half by Oklahoma State, 19 to 7, which, of course, followed being outscored in the second half by Oklahoma, 35 to 10. So Steve Sarkeesian, they blew up the entire landscape of college football to realign because they had to get better to go in the SEC. So to do that, they had to fire Tom Herman to hire Steve Sarkeesian to go four and five and be the worst second half coach I've ever seen. What the hell are they doing at halftime? Are they just deciding we're, we're quitting or what? They are, they are just a second half catastrophe. What is Texas doing in the second half of these games? They need emotional support monkeys <laughs> all over the locker room. They're shook. They're nervous. They have anxiety. You know, <laughs> this actually wasn't that hard to see coming. I mean, Sark was a decent coach at Washington, not a great one, a decent one. He was a bad coach at USC, and he was a mediocre coach in the NFL. He got to Alabama, and he had – all Americans just like falling out of the sky to play slot receiver, right? There was Devonta Smith. There was Jerry Judy. And he had Tua and he had Mac Jones. And you know what? He was a great play caller. Unbelievable. Twisted Kerry Combs into knots in that national title game in a way I've not seen a coordinator get deep pants in a long time. But guess what? He's got a couple decent quarterbacks at Texas. There's really no receivers to speak of. There are they, they have, They've had a terrible offensive line since then to Mac Brown. That just hasn't gotten any better. And so, you know what? Like, they're a lot like everybody else. They're a lot like they've looked in the past. Actually, they're, they're worse than they've looked in the past. And if you're Texas right now and you see a path, there's not a clear path to competing in the Big 12. Like, Dave Aranda has Baylor way ahead of Texas. Like, Oklahoma State is way ahead of Texas. Oklahoma's miles ahead of Texas. Like, there's not even a clear path to go compete in the Big 12. Never mind. There's some traffic yeah, ahead well, of you. They, they have decent talent. They have more talent than most of these teams, so they should be better, but... That's always been the case in Texas. Oh, no, man. Um, they're gonna, yeah. They're gonna, they did, he did a great job calling plays, but when you had that Alabama oh. offense last couple of years, I mean, I, 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 you know, like, remember in the semifinals when, like, it's like a screen pass to Najee Harris and then he hurdles yeah. an upright Notre Dame defender and runs yeah. 50 yards? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah it's you, a great— You're not coaching that. That didn't scheme. That's, that's yeah, Najee that, Harris. Is that, is that the play Jump call? at the 28, Najee. <laughs> That might be just Najee Harris, right? So, yeah. That it, it, it is, it reminds me when Missouri hired Woody Woodenhofer and his claim to fame was being the uh, 
linebacker coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers with the steel curtain. I can coach Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, and Andy Russell, okay? I can call plays for Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Henry Ruggs, and those guys. I, 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 give me a shot at it. It's actually like playing a video game. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It kind of is. We'll just isolate the safety in the slot here, and we'll take advantage of them. All right, let's hand, let's hand out some Heisman trophies here. We don't like to wait to the end of the year. A small sample Heisman. Who won your Heisman this week? Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman. How about that? There were some, some good candidates this week, and I have to... Uh, I have to disappoint at least one of our listeners who told me on Twitter that if I don't pick Chandler Morris, the TCU quarterback who stepped in and led them to victory over Baylor, he was going to slash my tires. <laughs> so I'm sorry, sir. Uh, thank you for listening. Don't slash my tires, but I'm not picking Chandler Morris. It's a little too aggressive for my taste. So you're on, the, on a podcast that's really all about love and kindness. Just subscribe if you uh, die. I that's am all going... we want him to do. Just stay subscribed when you die. <laughs> yeah. The guy who has become known as Punt God, Matt Ariza, the punter at San Diego State, who is on pace to obliterate NCAA records for longest punting average, who set an NCAA single-season record with his 15th punt of 60 yards or longer. And there's still, he's only played nine games. This guy is insane. He's had punt, he had a punt of 86 yards, I believe, earlier. He had one that went 70 on the fly. Uh, Matt Ariza has changed the punting game. And, hey, he's a big weapon for San Diego State, which has only lost one game and which tends to play with a Brady Hoke field position, run the ball, grinder games. And so if, you, if you've got the best putter in the country, I'm sure Kirk Ferentz is, like, just dying of jealousy that he does not have Matt Ariza. This guy, he's also the place kicker for them. Uh, he's done everything. He's going to be an NFL weapon. When he gets to uh, the league, he is really, really, really good. Maybe some people saying maybe the best punter ever. So, Matt Ariza, you are the small sample Heisman. They said to Brady, you can either have Matt Ariza or this, like, five-star quarterback for Matter Day. He was like, oh, we'll take the punter. <laughs> <laughs> My small sample Heisman does go to a five-star. This one from John Bosco. Uh DJ Uwe Ungalale uh, has not had a rocket ship to stardom, as we have spoken about here. He was the bell of the ball, the new starter for Clemson, an alleged betting favorite for the Heisman Trophy. Clemson obviously has not had a uh, you know the type of season we've been accustomed to them having. So there was DJ with a sprained PCL, essentially limping into the end zone. Like if you watched him on the clips on Saturday, he had a visible limp, and they ran a zone read for him to run and score a touchdown. They scored late against Louisville. He led a, he led a game-winning drive, and I'm giving the small sample size 18 for 30, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and we've covered a lot of ground on DJ on this podcast, and I've said, like, you just, guy has, like, six bad weeks. You can't ignore the art. Like, development happens at a different pace. Look at a guy like Kenny Pickett, for example. Like, everybody just doesn't come microwave to go in college football, and just because Deshaun Watson was or Trevor Lawrence was doesn't mean DJ was, so... I was happy to see someone who a lot of people had already written off as a failure just go have a night of success. And it was cool to see him in the post-game interview on the ACC network. He was giddy. He won in Clemson clinch bowl eligibility. And again, that is not what Clemson fans are accustomed to after six straight playoffs. But I was just happy for the kid to have a nice building block success to build himself out for the future. All right. I almost gave this to Tyler Van Dyke of the Miami Hurricane quarterback. 389, three touchdowns. I respect that the Hurricanes have taken a bad season and done a U-turn. They're five and four. They're winning close games. They're getting it done. Good for them. A lot of teams quit, and it's it's a two and ten season. But they play Georgia Tech, not Wake Forest. And Ty Chandler of the Carolina Tar Heels did play Wake Forest and knocked off the previously unbeaten Demon Deacons. Twenty-two rushes, two hundred and thirteen yards. He had another thirty yards of uh, receiving. Four touchdowns, including a, a monster TD at the end of the game to extend the lead to 10 and pretty much salt this thing away. Uh, sadly for some of us, who had Wake Forest plus two and a half. Carolina won by three, 58-55. Nice bounce back game in one of the more entertaining and wild shootouts uh, that you're going to see in college football. That was a lot of fun in that noon window. Uh, great plays both ways. Sam Howell versus Sam Hartman. Battle of the Sams. Great game. Congratulations to Ty Chandler. 
and the Tar Heels. Enjoy your small sample Heisman. All right, we said a lot of mean things in this uh, this podcast. We said predominantly mean things in this podcast. Can we say something nice? I'm not sure I'm in the mood to stew it. I'm going to say something nice about the animals, Dan. The animals among us. They've rallied. <laughs> they had a big week. It was a big week for the animals, okay? We had not only the stripper monkey, who basically dominated the lead up uh, to Iowa State, Texas, and gave us one of the great stories in podcast history. We also had... The day before South Dakota State hosted North Dakota State, we had a runaway moose on the loose on the field in Brookings, South Dakota. Video of the of the moose looking very fluid crossing the field. <laughs> loose that hips. Thing, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Fluid yeah. hips. Do not get in the way of a moose, by the way, under any circumstance. Moose eventually left the, uh, left the stadium. And then USC, Arizona State, we had – a fox or a coyote? Everybody decided it was a fox. I looked at the pictures. I think it was probably more of a coyote, but whatever. We had a four-legged, <laughs> bushy-tailed animal of some predatory nature in Tempe in Sun Devil Stadium. And that gives us two foxes this season on the field during games. Oklahoma and Texas, and now Arizona State and USC. So I'm giving huge props to them. I like the animals more than the humans, more than the idiots at Ole Miss who came up with the stupid social media crap about Hugh Freeze as if he wasn't your coach when you were when he was making his stupid tweets and now you're mocking him about it when he was your coach. Better than Mike Leach, whose kickers can't make field goals, and he now he comes out and says he wants to have tryouts for kickers. Mike, it's your job to have a kicker instead of having tryouts in November. So go animals. Boo, humans. That's something nice, kind of. That is Pat an operative for the animals in the humans versus animals <laughs> wars we've been documenting for years? Double agent. Double agent. I'm now revealed. Yep. Keeping an eye on you, Pat. <laughs> well, just like Dan, you use this podcast solely as a way to sell your books, Epic Athletes. Pat really yes, is just please. using this Available yes. on Amazon. Available Pat on just Amazon. Uses this right podcast now. to audition for like a nature channel color commentary. I mean, look at that energy. He slept walked through the first 50 minutes of this podcast, and then you get an opportunity to rip Ole Miss, compliment and like look at that. There was a lot of passion behind that fox and moose. Like he did his research. I mean, he wouldn't watch the North Dakota State, South Dakota State football game. But no, no, he was on the animal thing. So Pat just Pat just wants to be one of those deep voice cheetah in the jungle guys. He's just killing time here on this podcast. We see we see right through your roost forty. I'm in. I don't need you clowns. <laughs> Send me to the animals. <laughs> Considering how Pat treated like IT and the expense department at Yahoo, working with animals may actually be like a good fit. <laughs> I'm going to say something nice. I'm actually going to stick to the tenor of say something nice. If we ever had to in podcast history, point to. The uh, the paradox of say something nice. Pat's last segment would really do a uh, would really do a nice job using the opportunity to say something nice to say virtually nothing nice. I am going to uh, compliment our friends in two deserts, one in Tucson, one in Las Vegas, Arizona. Thanks to a COVID-addled Cal roster, uh, wins the first game of Jed Fish's tenure and snaps the longest losing streak in the country at twenty. Congrats to the Wildcats. They celebrated like they won the national title. Awesome to see. Go nuts, Wildcats. Uh, I hope they had a great Saturday. They've certainly earned it. They practice just as hard as everybody, lift just as many weights. Like they go through all the drudgery. It's nice to see them enjoy the fruits of victory. Same for UNLV. They ended a 14-game losing streak, which was the second longest in the country. Um, and it was probably the longest in the country for about uh, two or three hours on Saturday. They beat New Mexico in the first win of the Marcus Arroyo era. He didn't win any games last year in their short Mountain West season. This is the first win this season. So to uh, the joy of victory in two places that I haven't experienced in a while, I bet it was a lot of fun on uh, Saturday night in those towns. We now have no more winless teams in college football. Everybody has won one, at we least. We are the biggest losers Even now. UConn. Wow. That's right. Even UMass, who lost to Rhode Island this week. Yeah. yeah. A three-loss FCS team walked into UMass and won on homecoming. Oh, I don't know. I don't, who, who came home? I don't know. Might want to drop the program. I'm just saying. It's been saying since you elevated it. All right. I'm going to give uh, Say Something Nice to the Purdue Boilermakers. The spoiler makers. Uh, this is the most eventful season you could possibly have without being a national contender. Uh, they've managed to defeat the number two at the time ranked Iowa Hawkeyes by 17 on the road. They trounced number three at the time Michigan State Spartans at home. Uh, they've 
Also lost to Minnesota, got enrolled by Wisconsin, uh, had a shootout with Nebraska, barely beat Illinois, uh, rolled at UConn, at least they did that. It was a close game against Oregon State. Week to week, we got no idea. Absolutely none. They're going to Ohio State next week. They lost 49 to three. Wouldn't be surprised. They win 21-17. Wouldn't be surprised. Certain teams have an identity. Certain teams, you know what you're getting. Not Purdue, baby. Purdue is basically the boringest school you'll ever see. It's a whole bunch of really smart engineers and would-be astronauts in the middle of a cornfield in northern Indiana. You would not think this thing would be roulette. Was that nice? I don't know if that was nice. Yes, that was anyway, very nice. Be nice to David Bell. David we'll be back. By Jesus. our standards, it was incredible. Yeah, David Bell is special, man. Incredible. Ooh. He is yes. very special. And Jeff Brown, when he's in a groove, that's fun to watch. Mm. Yeah. That's fun to watch. Dials it up. Hey, how about the, the awesome. gadget play they ran for the one touchdown? It was incredible. Like reverse flea flicker screen all in one. They had an armada leading that guy into the end zone. That wasn't a wall. That wasn't a picket fence. That was like an armada. It's, it's, it's amazing how good they can look <laughs> and then how bad they can. I mean, it's like, what? These results start, and it's not like, wow, we had one off week. It's like, no, that was last week. (laughs) There we go. They could beat Ohio State and lose to Northwestern. I don't know. Anyway, we'll be back this week to uh, continue the discussion, see where we're at. Please keep subscribing, share us on social media, tell your friends about us, and uh, appreciate all of your devotion and support. Talk to you later.